You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ask Drone You as we help you navigate the drone life. As always, my name is Paul. And my name is Rob, as always. Very happy and pleased and grateful to be sitting here hanging out with Paul and hanging out with you. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with us. Definitely do appreciate it. And we've got an interesting question today regarding licensing of images, how to control that, how to enforce that, uh, considering what to license out. Uh, And I would say that I think that this is an imperative podcast, whether you're new, whether you're intermediate, whether you've been around a while. Look, we all need reminders. None of us are perfect. Uh, And I think that this is a great uh, opportunity to go over how important licensing is and also go over the tools that will help us control and enforce those licensing rights. Although this brings up an important point, an important question. I know that there have been previous people here at DroneU who have talked about how that they don't have contracts uh, with, you know, individuals or employers. And we are now seeing the, uh, what is it, the full circle of this strategy because it essentially this person without having these contracts can essentially go back on their word at any given time. And I want to say really fast, I would ignore any advice saying that you do not need a contract and that you can do all things uh, by uh, word of mouth and without contracts. I think that that's a farce. I think that's going to set you up for failure. I think you should have uh, contracts um, for everything that you do. And by the way, um, before we get into this question, I will say there's a very easy and seamless means of setting up contractual agreements with your clients by building them into invoices or building them into your calendar invitations. Like if someone uh, books you for a job and they actually accept the invitation, you can actually have that be your contract where in the notes section, it says by, uh, uh, by booking this, you agree to the following terms and that way they're bound by those terms, uh, whether they chose to read the information or not. I think that's really important to say. Uh, that's something that Jason does all the time and I think it's absolutely brilliant. It is. It doesn't surprise me that he does that because uh, he's a smart dude. He makes is a lot of sense. Very smart dude. Well, let's go ahead and get into that question, uh, which today is brought to you by our good friends, our partners. Uh, and I just want to give a shout out once again for one of our uh, fabric of the industry kind of partners, Go Professional Cases. For all of you Drone you members, that discount is still valid. And so is the discount if you attend Flight Mastery and you want to lower the cost for insurance. We can still help you do that. Uh, by acquiring an educational rate once you prove that you got the skills to pay the bills. <laughs> Rob and Paul, my name is Kent. Uh, I passed the 107 in June, and I recently signed up for the Drone U website uh, to get to some of your more advanced classes. I'm finding that to be very useful. Uh, as well as your podcast, I really enjoy listening to the podcasts. So my question is about image licensing and uh, video licensing. Uh, some of the nuances that are available to me, uh, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I suspect that I would have to, if this got serious, I'd have to get some kind of uh, licensing lawyer or something to help me with this. 
my question is, I've got a few. So can I sell an image outright, but, but retain the use of that image or video in my own advertising? Can I lease an image only for use, say, uh, only for internal use, but not for a company's advertising? So can I limit or define what they can use something for if they, you know, purchase it, you know, for that said use? Can I lease an image in perpetuity? Or uh, the reverse, can I, you know, set a specific time limit? And how would I maintain control over that? And for customers who violate the lease agreement, other than not doing business with them anymore, what's my recourse? Uh, Would I have to sue them? Uh, Can I require them to revoke whatever use they made of it that was not part of the original agreement, et cetera, et cetera? Thank you for your time. I look forward to uh, all your future broadcasts. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Really appreciate you sending in your question. Grateful that you're getting a lot out of the courses within membership. Um, Love hearing that. Love, love, love hearing that. And thank you for being a listener. That's awesome. And then even next level for hopping on and asking a question because that's what makes this go. It's all about you. And so we need your questions. And uh, this is a good one. I appreciate his sort of well thought out, detailed question with some specificity in there. And I think... We could go real quick with the questions he asked specifically about what can he do. It's all yes, right? Yeah, I mean, literally, it's the hard uh, part is selling the it. enforcement and all that, and and selling it too. Yeah. Well, I mean, in fact, uh, you know, part of the issue with enforcing these things is that we don't often have time or set aside time to go through all of the clients that we've served and go through and make sure that they are actually following the rules set forth. So Mm -hmm. I want to hit the enforcement side first because there is a scalable means of enforcement. Uh, We've kind of talked about this before. Uh, We talked about Pixie and that program that autonomously scans the internet for photos that you have used. And so I think it's just so critical and so important to understand that there is an autonomous scalable means of enforcing your contract and that is through Pixie. Now that said, can you, uh, the, you can license anything that you want. You can give full rights to your data. Even when you work for the film industry and you work for these different studios, oftentimes they actually do allow you to keep a singular license to market yourself. And mm-hmm. obviously you can't post uh, any of the shots prior to the release of a film. But I would say the film industry is probably the most stringent on licensing, meaning that they ask for full exclusive rights of your stuff, but that you can keep uh, your shots to promote yourself. Outside of that, when it comes to corporate and enterprise contracts, Rob, you can pretty much set up whatever you want. Right. I would think one of their biggest things is that you can use it to promote yourself, but not, say, a competitor. Right. I mean, I don't I can't imagine anybody agreeing to that, paying for it and then saying you can use it for a competitor again yeah, or something yeah. along those lines. But the bottom line is it's like anything. It's a negotiation and you can figure it out with that particular client. It sure is. And I mean, can you, you know, going to the question, can you license a particular use, an internal use? Yes, you can license an internal use. Um, typically, people like that so that uh 
they can pay a lesser amount or a lesser charge mm -hmm. for photos. I will say, though, that typically a lot of these uh, employees who have been employees for a long time, don't fully understand licensing rights, can misshare stuff on accident and blissfully, frankly, mm -hmm. um, which is sometimes I say, you know what, what I would do is I would just try to stick to allowing them to use uh, their media online and in print and whether it's distributed internally or externally, I would just say internal and external included. I would never offer a low-end package to say, you can only use these photos internally. I know some clients ask for that, um, but there's also kind of a pricing structure that goes with this. And think of like internal as the lowest pay grade. You know, you're going to get the least amount for your photos. The next thing is, you know, you could do online uh, licensing only. You can do in print only. Um, you can also set a, a, a date like, is this contract good for three to five years? Is it good in perpetuity? I would charge more for perpetuity. Also, I would charge three to 10x more for giving someone exclusive rights to images because at the end of the day, I I really very rarely sell that unless again, it's for the film studios because I want to be able to use my footage to show off my skills so that I can get more clients. Because again, every single time that you take on a drone job, and, and I feel like this is a big issue with newer drone pilots and even some experienced ones, you take on a drone job, Rob, and you're just there servicing the drone job. You never mm -hmm. think about how can I talk to the client to get referrals? How right. can I use the footage and the behind the scenes stuff of what I'm doing to further sell myself? Yeah. Um, and I would say I've sucked at that for a very long time. For me, it's a principle battle because I feel like there are so many people on social media that are like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at all the cool shit that I'm doing. And we, and we set up this false narrative almost of ourselves. So I feel like the reason I've sucked at it is because I understand it's a very slippery slope with the ego. And uh, I really, really, really battle and struggle with people who are constantly on social media, constantly promoting themselves. Because when they are, what it really says is that they're not out there doing jobs. You know, they're not really living the life that they, that they, they talk about. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, no, yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, I, I would imagine there's some genuine people out there that do it, but generally it's probably, yeah. Anyways, a couple things come to mind yeah. about all of this. And one is to sort of be creative in the way that you approach this. So for example, you might go in, I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't go into a particular scenario with a, pot a potential client sort of dead set on this is what I'm going to allow them to do. You never know mm -hmm. what sort of ancillary opportunities might come out of a particular client. And maybe you give them perpetuity when you didn't want to, because they're going to introduce you to two other really great clients, right? So the point is just be open to um, variations of your thinking going in. And I think you'll be a lot better off. You mentioned something that's really important that we have not touched on before, which is you might limit yourself by selling something in perpetuity, but the example is actually the multi-client discount, right? Yeah, Let's say that you do exactly. a, a construction job and you give them exclusive rights to the photo. There is nothing from stopping them to giving it to the GC, giving it to the plumbing guy, yeah. giving it to all these other contractors when you could be essentially making money on all of those different licenses because they are different clients. Yeah. So there is a lot of danger in giving um, perpetuity uh, to a particular 
particular client, you know? So that's something, that's a really important point, Rob, to really think about, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a lot to consider in terms of, I mean, there's obviously sort of the standard path of, of all the different questions that Kent asked, but, um, just, I guess, expand your thinking and, and package, package pricing and, and by package, meaning not, I mean, obviously there's package meaning to the same client, giving them variations of a particular image or whatever, different forms, different lengths of video, et cetera. But there's also the multiple client discount, which I think is a, a really great point as well. But then another thing that I'm wondering about, the, it's so fascinating. We've been learning a lot more about it because it's interesting to us. And that's the whole blockchain world. Mm. When it comes to enforcement, I heard a, man, just a fascinating story. And you might, I don't know how much of the last couple of macro voices you've listened to with the two part. I haven't listened to those in all honesty, because they had Pippa Malmgren on again, who was talking about drone stuff. And I was so disappointed with Eric Townsend that they let her ramble about drone stuff because it was really clear that she didn't have a lot of experience. And also, if you go back, you go back and you listen to what she uh, forecasted about Trump and none of that stuff came true. So for me, it was like, "Mm, I don't really have any credibility with her. Anyway, go ahead. I see. I don't want to talk about her. (laughs) I want to talk about the idea of blockchain and there so let's just talk facts okay and one of the facts is that apparently an artist quote unquote I know some people hate air quotes whatever here you go um, an artist just sold an invisible painting Mm -hmm. and he sold ultimately so obviously what does that mean well what he sold (laughs) I think is hilarious somebody paid $18,000 for an invisible painting. And yes, that means what you think it means. It doesn't exist, but it's in his head, apparently. But the person paid $18,000 for the certificate of ownership (laughs) that is maintained in a blockchain, right? The emphasis being the blockchain, although it's hard to emphasize that in this story because the story is so asinine. But the point is, I think it's coming where... You know, people even like Kent and by even like Kent, I just mean all of us amateurs, Kent, that are trying to to maintain ownership of our stuff. Right. And as the blockchain grows and more of us amateurs and regular people get access to it, I think it's going to become I don't know if this is going to be two years, 30 years. I think it's going to be much sooner than 30 years because it's happening very fast where we're going to be able to maintain through a blockchain ownership and know if somebody's accessing it that shouldn't. And so, I don't know. I think that's probably around the corner. That's a really important point. I mean, like it's already happening in the music industry. Selling your media as an NFT is essentially what you're getting at. Yeah. I mean, as yeah, a non-fungible token is what he's talking about. And so that's, that's a version of it. Yeah. That I think could potentially happen. Well, I mean, we already know how powerful blockchain blockchain is in logistics and keeping tabs on inventory, where it goes, the distribution network, where failures happen. And it's so easy to identify where those failures do take place to bet to, you know, create an instantaneous feedback loop to essentially improve the delivery of any given product or service. Mm -hmm. And so I see your point and it's actually, it's extremely powerful. Um, not something I've really thought about before. And these are the type of things I love to talk about on the show is like, what's next? You know, yeah, what's the totally. future coming to? 
Um, and that's a really good point as far as uh, creating an autonomous means of enforcement as well, which kind of brings me also back to one of those first points I talked about, about not doing contracts word of mouth, not having them written down. Because if you don't actually have a contract written with someone, and again, I know certain people do this in the industry, you will also have no means of enforcement. Because even with Pixie, you have to prove that yeah. you sold uh, something and you sold it a certain way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, again, it just showcases the power of NFTs, you know? And I mean... Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, if somebody wants to go that route and, and that's, you know, their philosophy, their bent, their personality, their level of trust, whatever, that's totally cool. I, I mean, I think the vast majority of people are not going to do that. But it's a very interesting, uh, a very interesting thing to think about in terms of enforcement. And again... Look into how music, the music industry is already starting to do this because of how they've been uh, marginalized, if you will, and cannibalized through things like Spotify. Um, and I'm not here to, get a f- here to get into a philosophical conversation about that because I listen to Spotify, hmm. but I trust, I hope I, that the, the musicians are being compensated fairly. And, you know, frankly, I don't know if that's true or not, but as they start to utilize blockchain, they're going to make sure they're compensated fairly. And I think that's awesome. You think about uh, Kara's business scaling course and Mm -hmm. the power that that offers to to drone pilots and how it really autonomizes the onboarding of clients, the filtering through um, desires and, um, uh, and contract requests and how it helps delivery and how it provides upsells and how it actually records that information. At what point does that system of autonomy for drone pilots include a blockchain mechanism that also includes some sort of autonomous enforcement? Because I mean, like how far away is it really? I mean, it's just until some kid Hopefully not in Silicon Valley. Let's let's just say maybe in Texas. Let's go Texas. Uh, but uh, <laughs> maybe it um, some kid from wherever in the country decides to create this system and create it on a platform uh, because again you would be recording everything, who it went to, what the licensing rights were, how much they paid for it, how it was utilized. I mean, that's, that's a powerful system, man. It is. It is. So So. there's the invisible sculpture. I got nothing, Rob. (laughs) Next time someone says you don't have enough art in your house, I'm gonna be like, oh, but I, I, I bought this beautiful invisible painting. (laughs) It's everywhere. It's, uh, it's all, you know what? It's in your head. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, what a, what a diss to someone if you were to actually say that. Um, but, uh, it brings up, yeah. (laughs) Oh man, our world today. I got, I I don't, I got nothing. So, um, that said, uh, very interesting question. I really love this question. It also goes to show how our business systems should include, you know, the maintenance of our company. And we've talked about this before, working on our company rather than working in our company. And, you know, maybe every six months, you you pilots out there should be uh, enforcing those contracts because, you know, yes, it might ruin a, a potential relationship with a client. But if those clients aren't trustworthy, do you really want to do business with them again anyway? You don't. So on that bombshell, that's going to do it for us today. If you have a question, go to askdroneu.com. Check it out. Also, that business course that we've been talking about, uh, it is getting up there. We just uh, we decided a different strategy for this course, so bear with us. Uh, I, it is the most valuable 
frankly, business course on the planet um, because this really helps pilots do what I sucked at and I wish I had this, where all of the ancillary BS is taken care of. So you can focus on what you love to do most, which is fly. So I have to say it's a phenomenal opportunity. It's going to be one of those courses you do not app, you do, you don't want to miss. Uh, and we are also teaching this course live at our experience training coming up here in November. Uh, I'm not sure if that uh, stuff has made it on our website yet, but the sales course, the scaling sales course is going to be separate from the experience training. We've got 20 seats available for that. We've only got eight for the experience training. The experience does include the business scaling system. And I promise you, there's nothing like this out there. And I mean, it is leaps and bounds ahead of what anyone is doing and even teaching business scaling systems outside of the drone industry. So I think that this is going to be a huge major bombshell that just once again puts uh, DroneU uh, above the competition and proves that we are really here to help you do what you love, do it well, and make it easy. Because, you know, a lot of people have said, well, if you love your job, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Um, that's mostly true, but you're still doing work. And I would say that when you properly scale your business with these autonomous systems, that's when you truly don't have to work a day in your life, because it really does everything. I mean, we were talking about how much does it actually do. Uh, Kara's system, I think, sends out 52 emails, like, autonomously. Yeah. It's, like, in the 50s somewhere. It may not be 52 exactly, but, I mean, just think about how much time you're saving for every client and how much more time you have to go get more clients and how much easier it makes the hustle once you put them in your systems. It's sure. Just, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, so Robert Kiyosaki, uh, he talks about business owners, right? And so he says, yes, yeah, some people own a business, but they're not business owners, they are owners of a job. <laughs> and so you are either owning your own job or somebody else owns your job, but it's basically the same thing. Sometimes it's actually worse when you own your own job because you're responsible for everything. I think Kara's class is going to help people move from owning a job to owning a business. Well, and I mean, if you think about it too, there are a few ways to build wealth in this country. There's real estate, um, there is uh, uh, entrepreneurship, building companies, but the true wealth building in entrepreneurship is taking a company, building it up, scaling it, and then selling it. Because look, we're all human. We don't want to all do the same exact thing for 60 years. Maybe some of us do, maybe some of us don't. I would say a vast majority of us like to try new things. We like to get excited about those things. And as an entrepreneur, your true wealth building is getting your company to a point which you can sell it. And if everything relies on you and you don't have these business systems, you don't have the autonomy, you're never going to sell it. So you really are working in your own job. Absolutely. Anyway, on that That's bombshell, Rob, phil philosophizing. Uh, <laughs> that, Good show. Yeah, that is going to do it for us today. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us, everyone. We do appreciate it. If you're thinking about becoming a DroneU member, stop thinking, start joining. Go to thedroneu.com. That's going to do it for us today. My name is Paul. My name's Rob. This is Ask DroneU. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, 
business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.